Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter, you can have your seat. Ephesians chapter 2. From verse 1. Let's see again. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now walks in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we by nature children of wrath. Just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his grace, his great love with which he loved us. Hallelujah. The grace with which he had loved us. Not that he will love us, but he has loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By what? Can we read this together? One to go, verse five. One to go. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, mm -mm, you're not reading. Verse 5 again. One to go. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Next verse, verse 6, continue. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. In who? In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we we'll look at verse 8. He says, for by grace, you have been saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves. It is what? What is it? It is the gift of God to us. Hallelujah. Meaning that your salvation is not what you work out for yourself. It's not of works. Lest anyone should do what? Should have a claim of boasting. Hallelujah. Yes. So, today we'll be continuing from what we've been looking at in these few weeks. And we summarize that, you know, okay, let me begin from here. Setting the mind on the things of the spirit. That is our, our consideration. And then, of course, in, in lieu to our, 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 our team for the year, life in the Holy Spirit. You know, let's look at that passage. Let's remind ourselves again of that passage. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Romans chapter 8 verse 14.
It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Hallelujah. These are sons of God. Then, uh, the other scripture of, back to the slide, please, yes. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So upon these two verses, we establish the theme for the year. And our desire is that God will help us. Hallelujah. And I know he's already helping us to understand what the life in the spirit is. That we will walk in the spirit. That we will be fully grounded in the Holy Spirit. And understanding his ways and living the kind of life that he wants us to live. So we establish from these scriptures that the believer is in where is in the spirit. Hallelujah. We made mention in the last time that our address as believers is the spirit. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who live, who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in, in that it was weak through flesh, God did by sending his son. His own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal man, mind is in, in is enmity with, against God, for it is not subject to the Lord of God, nor Indeed, can be. Verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The last verse, verse 9. But you, hallelujah, say, but I. But you are not in the flesh. Hallelujah. That is who we are. If you are born again, you are a child of God. You are not in what? You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Hallelujah. So, from this passage, we establish that what? That the believer is in the spirit. Hallelujah. That the believer is resident in the spirit, is in union with the spirit of God. And we saw that to walk in the spirit, we must constantly set our minds on the things of the spirit. For us to continually, you know, live as would please God. For us to continue to live in that fellowship that God has brought us into, our minds must be set on where we are. That is the spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Can just help me quickly so I can be fast. Yes, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. 
set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with God. It's hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So we are hidden with Christ in God. So it is expected that our minds, for us to live and express the spirit life, our minds must be set on the things of the spirit. Hallelujah. And then, you know, the Colossians 1 verse 2 mentioned the things above. And we saw also that this is where Christ is. And also where the believer is. That is our residence. That's where all of That's the realm that every believer is operating at. For us to understand what the mind is, we say it that we, and what the spirit is, we must examine the nature of man. How God created man. Hallelujah. And then, in the course of this examination, in our attempt to understand that from the Bible, we stumble upon some few critical questions that we say they are controversial. And the first question that we address is the issue of the image of God. Hallelujah. Was Adam first man, the man God created in the image of God? Was he in the image of God? And we also answered the question about the, 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 the sin of Adam. What really is the sin of Adam? And we agreed that the sin of Adam was a sin of unbelief. Amen? We established that the sin of Adam is actually the sin of unbelief. And then the third question we answered, we asked ourselves again, we, we said, is the sin of Adam an automatic issue? Does that mean that when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, you know, every descendant of Adam automatically become a partaker? That is, he automatically become, you know, a sinner because Adam sinned. And also in line with this thought, today we're going to answer this question, can someone lose his salvation? Is one safe always saved? Now, for us to live the life of life in the spirit, right? These questions and some few more are very critical for us. If we settle this, then we can actually live confidently in the spirit. The reason why many of us are struggling to express the life that God wants us to express is because we have questions that are unanswered. And thank God that we are able to move one after the other and answer them. So answering these questions is very, very important for us if we must enjoy the life that God has given us. Hallelujah. So, eternal salvation. The argument is that one can lose his salvation. When a Christian is born again, the argument is that what? That once he's born again, his salvation can be lost if he commits sin or commit continue to live in sin. And over the time, you know, we've 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 been taught, we've been, you know, you know, I myself have grown up in an atmosphere of fear, an atmosphere that exposes us to the knowledge that once you are born again, there's a responsibility on your own path to keep your salvation. Hallelujah. That if you don't keep your salvation, you know, you can lose it. When a Christian is born again, his salvation can be lost if he continues 
to live in sin, or if he chooses to sin, he can actually lose his salvation. And then, I've had this one. This one I, I, is direct quotation from, from a man of God, very respected. He said that there's nothing, there is no such thing as once you are safe, you are always safe. That this is a doctrine of demons. That once you say that you are safe, eternal security, when, you know, the mention of eternal security, you know, that is a message or a teaching that is sponsored by demons. And one of the arguments they have against eternal salvation is that it encourages the believer to continue to live in sin. That it gives the believer the license. Since you know that, okay, I'm eternally safe, you know, there's nothing that can happen that can tamper with my salvation. Therefore, it gives me the liberty, the license now to continue to do the things that are wrong. And this is a danger. The danger is because of lack of knowledge and understanding. There's no how a man will understand the grace we've been thinking about. Hallelujah. There's no how a man can come to the revelation of grace apart from works. Amen. And decided to continue in sin. Hallelujah. So an understanding of grace gives you more responsibility as a believer. And the responsibility is not to contribute to what God has already established. But is to enjoy what God has given you. Hallelujah. Please give me the next slide. This is not working. So what is salvation? For us to answer that question, we need to understand what salvation is. The theme of the Bible, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, is about salvation. Hallelujah. Once you take away this theme from the Bible, the Bible is, you, you, can, you can interpret anything with it. You can use it for any, 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 any form of information. But the basic foundation, the reason for the scriptures is salvation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. From Genesis to Revelation, we've seen it previously, that the foundation of the Bible, the essence or the reason for, giving, for the Bible is to explain salvation to mankind. And this is woven throughout the whole scripture. Every single conversation in the scriptures is targeted at revealing to us the salvation that is by faith through Christ Jesus. The words used in the Old Testament and the New Testament indicates salvation includes save, you know, to save. When translated in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means to save, to help, to redeem, to rescue, to deliver, among others. And in all uses of any words in the Bible that means salvation, always when you see in scriptures, the initiator of salvation is God himself. Hallelujah. So, eternal salvation is wholly the work of God for no human can save himself. We read that in, 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 in Ephesians chapter 2. That it's by grace that we are saved. It's not of works, not of anything that we've done for ourselves or by ourselves. Therefore, we can't boast of any contribution Hallelujah. So, that is what salvation is. John chapter 3, verse 19. 1 to 9. We read earlier on about the encounter 
between Jesus Christ and the man Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is everyone who is born of the spirit. Then Nicodemus answers, said to him, how can these things be? Hallelujah. How can these things be? How can these things be? And we see the reply in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? So the expectation of Jesus Christ is that as a teacher of the word, as a scholar of the scriptures, Nicodemus would have an understanding of these things. But these things can only come by revelation. Hallelujah. So to be born again, there means, we, say, we saw it earlier on, that to be born again means to be born from above, right? Now the word again in verse 3 of this text is translated from this Greek word, anothen, which also means anew. It means from above, to be born from another realm. It is the same root word that is used in Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 that talks about setting our minds on things that are above. The same word. Above, in this passage, is translated from another Greek word, anor. Yes. Thank you. My slides. From another Greek word, anor, which means above, high, up. Now, the Amplified Translation Give us a clearer, you know, explanation of the Greek words. Jesus answered him, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, that unless a person is born again. Now, to be born again is not talking about natural birth. Hallelujah. It means to be born from another realm. It means to be born from another location, from another, from above simply means not sky above, but from another location, not, not material location, from above. He cannot see, he cannot ever see to know, be acquainted, or experience the kingdom of God. So how do we experience the path? How do we experience salvation? Before we come to talk about whether you can lose it or you cannot lose it, it's important you understand what salvation is, which we've seen clearly here, when Jesus Christ was explaining to Nicodemus. And also, you know, it's important for us if we must understand what it means to either lose or to have eternal salvation. So salvation, first of all, we come into salvation or we experience salvation by faith. The foundation by which we can know God, 
we can come into relationship with God is by faith. John chapter 3 verse 16 to 18 makes it very emphatically clear. John verse 16 of that same John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. So fundamentally, belief is a condition to come into this relationship with God. Without faith, it is impossible for you to what? To be born again, to be born from above, to experience the life that is from above. So when we begin to talk about setting our minds to the things that are above, if you've not been born from that realm, you cannot operate from that realm. And the way by which you can experience this new birth is not by coming to church alone, but it's by faith, acknowledging and, exp- and, and believing, putting your trust in the message about Jesus Christ. For God did not send his son, verse 17, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be safe. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in, this, in the name of the only begotten son of God. So faith is critical to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in who he say he is, the, the Messiah. We come into experience of salvation, not by anything we've done, but by putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. The righteousness that comes from faith, not by works, speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. From where? From above. Hallelujah. From where we talk about where to be born from, right? To bring Christ from that realm, from that above. Who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up? Verse 7. Verse 8. But that does, but what does it say? The word is near thee in your mouth and in your heart. That is the words of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Now what we confess is the Lord Jesus. We saw in John chapter 3 verse 16 and 18 talks about believing in the name that he has given. Believing in the person of Jesus Christ. And what we confess to be born again is Jesus himself, not our sins. We don't confess sins to be born again, but we confess the Lord Jesus and believe faith, have faith in our hearts that God has what has raised him from the death. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with mouth Confession is made unto salvation. For with the yes, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. So salvation is what? By faith. We experience this new birth, this new birth by faith. Not by anything we do, but by faith. We come into the experience by faith. And then we read earlier on Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 that talks about. You know, our salvation is not by works, but it's by grace. Then verse 16, give me verse 16 of Ephesians 2.
and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Hallelujah. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. The next verse. For through him we both have access by the Spirit to the Father. So through Jesus Christ, we're brought into that relationship with the Father. Through Jesus Christ, we come into that relationship with the Father. And we can come through this, through the Father by Jesus Christ, by putting our faith in him as who we say he is. The works that he has come to do, for him to come and then lay down his life and die on the cross, that we might be saved. So when the believer is born again, he is sealed eternally with the spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14 talks about our salvation. Once we believe, there's a seal of the Holy Spirit. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, that is the, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed that means that you must act upon the gospel of salvation. You, first of all, you must hear the word of truth, which is a gospel about Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus. And then you believed you were sealed, permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of purchased possession to be praised? To the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. So once we become born again, what happened to us? We receive the seal upon us that authenticates our salvation. The permanent seal of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. As the proof, as the guarantee that we are eternally saved. So the believer come into union with Christ. You know, we come into this union with him. This union that is that is eternal. So let's, let's, let's begin to ask questions. Let's begin to reason. We've laid a foundation about what salvation is. How we come to experience salvation. Let's logically reason. About the issue of eternal security. Eternal salvation. Meaning salvation that is eternal. Salvation is not an item, first of all, that can be lost. Amen? It's not like a key in your pocket. The ones you have, you keep it in your house. You start looking for it elsewhere. Salvation is a person. Hallelujah. Salvation is, a, is, in, a, is in a person. Jesus is a grace that brought salvation to us. So you cannot begin to look at salvation as though it's an item that you can easily misplace it. Another reason that we should reason is why should there be joy in heaven? The scripture says that there is joy in heaven when one sinner, right? Repents. Give me that, that Luke chapter 15 verse 7. You see where Jesus Christ was talking about in that parable. It says there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. I say to you what like, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So if heaven will rejoice because of one sinner. If salvation is not something that is eternal, then we wouldn't have him wait until when we've converged with God. 
Hmm? Heaven at last, right? Then the heaven will now will not rejoice. Amen. Because I can imagine heaven. You just get born again today, and they rejoice, and you lost your salvation, and heaven is mourning, and tomorrow you you Jesus died again for you. That's what it's meaning, right? Then heaven rejoice. Then I think there is instability in heaven. Hallelujah. So main reasoning will make will begin to question, right? But emphatically, the Bible says that heaven rejoices about just one single sinner that turned to God and have accepted the message of salvation. Hallelujah. So why is salvation referred to as rest if it is not final? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. Hallelujah. Salvation is referred to as rest. Please give me that scripture. If it's not final, why is it referred to as rest? Hebrews chapter 4. For we, talking about the believer, who have believed, do enter that rest. Right? As he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this day. And God rested on the seventh day. All his works. From all his works. Give me the previous verse. Verse, five, verse 3. Salvation is referred to as rest. Once you are born again. is shown in the Sabbath rest. Right? The Sunday rest. The Sabbath also today rest. The Sabbath rest is a picture of salvation that will be revealed in Christ Jesus. So if the scripture is saying that salvation is rest, that once you are born again, you have rested, why won't the rest be at last? Since, you know, we are not sure whether you've, you've secured the rest, right? Then we'll wait till the end when we converse before God. Then we'll now say, ah, finally, you can now rest. Simple reasoning. We're not even going deep into the scriptures to examine them. Now, another reasoning we can reason is, can you be unborn by your biological mother? Maybe, you know, the mother gave birth to a child and then the child is now stubborn, for instance. The mother now decides to say, I will will undo you. Control Z. You know? I will unborn this child because the child is what? is doing bad things. And we saw that similar to the question that Nicodemus was asking Jesus Christ. Can a man, grown-up man, go back to his mother's womb and be born? Is that what Jesus was saying? No. He's talking about an experience that is not, is not on this earth. It's on another realm. We are on the earth, but we are born in another realm, which is above, which is in Christ. Hallelujah. So, even natural things can prove to us, we can even use natural things to try to explain and attempt to explain the spiritual. Imagine you are born and then tomorrow they say, ah, you are unborn. I mean, it's not really logically making sense. Hallelujah. Or can you be born twice? Born again twice. Even scriptures, maybe you are born again. It's born again, not born against, right? 
Salvation is once and what? And for all. Jesus Christ died how many times? Once and what? And for all. Hallelujah. So, reasoning, just to reason, you see, I'm not here to tell you whether you can lose your salvation or you cannot lose your salvation. But what I want you to do is to follow the thoughts. Reason and come to a conclusion, come to a place of conviction by the expositions of scriptures that we do. That is why we intentionally read scriptures. So that your, 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 your faith will be founded on the wisdom of God and not in motivation and not in any ways that will come from man. Hallelujah. So, just reason. Sometimes we suspend our brain. When it comes to the things of faith, right? We suspend our brains and then we don't use the brain that is a gift God has given us to think. Hallelujah. So, let's do some scriptural reasoning here. Jesus calls it eternal life. Hallelujah. Jesus called our salvation word eternal life in John chapter 3 verse 15 to 16. He called it eternal. So if it's not something that is eternal, why will God call it eternal? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? But have eternal life. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? An everlasting life. So the life that we receive from Christ, the life that Christ brought is something that is eternal. It's not material. It's not, uh, it's not something that is, is, is temporal. It's a life of God which is eternal. Hallelujah. And we saw that once we come into this experience, a man is sealed with an eternal spirit. Spirit that exists eternally. The spirit cannot die, but the spirit exists eternally in the man. We come into this, is it inorganic or organic? Union, right? Both of them, all of them, they're together. We come into this intrinsic union with God that cannot be separated from the other. Our spirit and the spirit of God become one. And this is what is everlasting. It's a life that is everlasting. So the life that is from above is an everlasting life. It's a life that is, is eternal in its nature. It's not temporal. Hallelujah. So we receive an eternal inheritance. If Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 explains salvation as an eternal inheritance. Yes. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling on clean sanctify for purifying of the flesh, how much more shall we, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, right? Eternal spirit, cleans writing the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleans your conscience from dead works to serve the living God verse 15 and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by the means of death for the redemption of transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of what of eternal inheritance hallelujah 
So the inheritance you receive as a result of what Christ has done is an eternal inheritance. Which means that it is yours eternally. Hallelujah. Once you come into this experience of being born from above, it means that you have an eternal what? An eternal inheritance. And that eternal inheritance is what? It's his spirit which is given to you to live in you forever. Hallelujah. So, the believer, or rather, the believer has received eternal life already. This is what, what John says. First John chapter 5 verse 13. First John 5 13. This thing I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Who believe in what? The name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have what? That you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So, he is reminding them of these things that he has been making conversation from verse 1 to verse 13 that they might know that they have eternal life. Not that they will have eternal life, but they already have eternal life. So we, when we believe, we already have received eternal life. And that you may continue to believe. So continuing to believe is a product of what you've already believed. It's a response to what you've already believed. Hallelujah. Elan and Pastor was telling us that, you know, the same message that you believe, right? is the same message that will do what? That will sustain you. The same message that will take you to the end. So, when you believe in that name, the Son of God, you have come into the experience of eternal life. That you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Hallelujah. So, our continuation is not so that we will lose something or we will gain something. It's that we've already gained something that is eternal. Therefore, we continue to live in response to what we've already gained. Hallelujah. Yes. And then, John chapter 5, verse 24. It's a declaration by Jesus Christ. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has what? What does he has? And if, this is the word of Jesus Christ, right? Has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from what? From death to life. So already the man has already passed. You have escaped condemnation. You've already escaped eternal condemnation. You cannot be condemned any longer because you've believed in him who has been sent by the Father. He who hears my word. It's not only about hearing alone. But what have you done? You've put your trust in the message concerning the Christ. And then you have everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment. You cannot be judged. Judgment has already happened. Hallelujah. And the judgment is on the basis whether you believe in Jesus or not. And you cannot come under this kind of condemnation. But has passed from death to what? To life. So it's very emphatic here. That once we believe, we've passed from death to what? 
to life. Now the believer has already been conformed and glorified. Scripture says that the believer has what was already been has already been conformed and glorified. Romans chapter eight verse twenty eight to thirty. You know, sometimes you know when we read the scripture, we are thinking maybe there is a con- there's a conformity that we need to arrive at. But the moment you are born again, you are already in the image of Christ. Hallelujah. You are created in what? In the image of Christ. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the call according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, this he also called. Whom he called, this he also justified. And whom he justified, this he also glorified. Hallelujah. So coming to faith or believing in Jesus Christ. You've been justified. You've been made, you've been, your account has been made clean as though you've never seen before. Because of Jesus Christ. And glorification is not what will happen when we meet Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are already glorified now in Christ. So if a man can lose salvation, it simply means that he will lose glorification. That's what he's meaning. Hallelujah. So we have already been glorified. We are not going to be glorified, but we are already being glorified. So what many people are expecting to happen in the future has already happened. Because in Christ, we have been what? We have been glorified. And then we see the words, emphatic words of Jesus Christ. Nothing can take the believer out of his hand. John chapter 10 verse 28 to 30. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never. Hallelujah. They shall what? They shall never perish. They shall never come to condemnation. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now to say that you lose your salvation... Simply means that Jesus Christ does not have the capacity to keep. Hallelujah. It means that Jesus Christ is short of the ability to do what? To be faithful in keeping you. Because first of all, it's not your act that saved you. He saved you anyway. You were lost in your sins, in your disobedience. In my disobedience, I was totally lost. He saved me. Hallelujah. And he also has the responsibility to do what? To keep me. So salvation is God and God alone. When it comes to the matter of our eternal security, our salvation is completely and solidly the responsibility of God. Because man on his own does not have the capacity to save himself. Man on his own does not have the capacity to keep himself. Because the one that has been justified can only live by faith alone. 
Hallelujah. And I give them eternal life. Jesus Christ is speaking here. And they shall never perish. That means that there's nothing that can spoil this thing I've done. There's nothing on earth that can destroy these things that I've established with these people. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than one than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So if Jesus Christ is saying that no one can snatch, then what really can snatch us from the love and from the hands of God? Verse 30. I and my father are what? Are one on this matter. Hallelujah. There's no separation in our thoughts concerning salvation. Or probably uh, Jesus will change his mind because these people, with all I've done for them, look at the way they are living. I and the Father are what? Are one. Jesus Christ will not come and leave the glory of heaven and come on this earth, this fleshy and then sinful earth and die on the cross, the shameful death, the experiences he went through. The most important experience of living his glory as God. Taking the form of man and coming to die. And then the death, it will be on the condition that you can keep it. You see, man does not, even the money in your pocket, have you kept it? Hallelujah. Man, the decision God gave man freely, right? Man mismanaged the free will God gave him. So is it eternal salvation that you can keep? Amen. So salvation, when it comes to the business of salvation, is explicitly, restrictedly, the responsibility of God. Hallelujah. Your contribution is zero in the equation. Amen. Your contribution is what? Is zero in the equation of salvation. What we believe and even to sustain you to the end, is God himself that finishes this. It's built upon the character and the integrity and the faithfulness of God. It has nothing to do with your own stability, but solidly the, what, the responsibility of God to keep you to the end. Hallelujah. Now, does this excite you or it gives you fear? Does this create in you the desire to live stupidly or it gives you awe and worship and a, and a, and a, and a, and a response of worship to God? You know, sometimes we think that, oh, you know, once you sin, then God has done what? He has, he has canceled your name from the book of life. I think they need more cleaners in heaven to be cleaning people's name and to be writing it again. Hallelujah. So this is an idea that must sit well with us. We must be confident about, see, the essence is that we will be sure of what Christ has done for us. The lack of assurance of salvation is a reason many people live in sin. Is a reason why many of us are struggling to, ex, to, ex, to, to live out the life of the Spirit. Because we are held captives because of ignorance of what God has achieved, have done for us. And today my desire is that even if it's a word alone that you heard, that will liberate you from that mindset and know that this salvation I have is eternal. Hallelujah. That you know this truth and this truth will be your freedom. This is uh, actually deliverance. 
Hallelujah. It's not by anointing oil or by prayer or fasting. The truth will do what? Will set you free. Hallelujah. So, our salvation is sealed in him. Jude, verse 24-25. Now to him who is able to keep you from what? From stumbling. And to present you how? Faultless. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is able. Listen to what the scripture says. To him who is able. Able to do what? To keep. He has the capacity and the, the potential in him to keep, to guard you from what? I love this translation that says stumbling, not even falling. Hallelujah. And to present you how? Faultless. In the presence of who? Of his glorious to bring you with great, yeah? Brother. Okay, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what? With exceeding joy. That is a desire of Christ to present all of us highest. In fact, we are already being presented because we are in him and we are in the Father. Hallelujah. Verse 25, quickly. To God our Savior, who alone is wise? See, the wisdom of God. See, <laughs> when I came to this understanding, see, heaven will be more populated than hell. Hallelujah. The technology of our salvation is a wisdom hmm, that outsmart the plan and the, of, of, the, of the devil. Our thinking is when we go to heaven, when we go to heaven, we'll only find some few people. You'll be surprised at how heaven will be populated with people. Hallelujah. Doesn't that excite you? If it doesn't excite you, maybe you're working with the devil. I don't know. The glory and majesty, dominion and power, but now and when and forever. Hallelujah. That is the capacity of God to keep you, to preserve you, so we can rely on his faithfulness to live the life in the spirit. We can rely on his capacity and his power to keep us. He has every ability to keep us from even stumbling and falling. We cannot fall away because he holds us. There's a difference between you holding God. If you hold God, your hand will be tired. Hallelujah. You may let go. Hallelujah. But he himself is holding you. And in his character and his faithfulness, he cannot let you go. Hallelujah. So, Romans chapter 8 verse 31. I wish we have time, but hopefully by next week we'll look at some scriptures that seems to argue otherwise. Hallelujah. There are scriptures that when we read them, they seem to argue otherwise from this established truth we are talking about. We're going to look at it next week because of time. Yeah. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who 
can be against us. Now, this is not talking about your, your grandfather in the village that they call him a witch. This is not the who here. No. Are we together? It's not talking about mortals. Amen. It's beyond that. Hallelujah. What then shall we say of these things? Which things? If you read from verse 1, you see the enumeration of the things that he's talking about. If God is for us, who can be against us? 32. He who did not spare his son, he didn't spare Jesus Christ. What did he do? He delivered him up for us. All. How shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Number one, the election of God is by grace. Hallelujah. So, it's not whether you look it or you don't look it. It's not whether you are smarter or you are not smart. It's not whether you are fair in complexion or you are dark. It's not whether you have money. If it's by money, many people will not be able to buy salvation. It will be too expensive. And I bet you shouldn't be a Nigerian in charge of selling it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, there is, there is, there is, there is it's not by, there is no partiality in it. The same grace that saved the highest and the most anointed man of God you know is the same quality of grace that saved you. There is no change in the quality and the, the composition of that grace. It's the same process that saved every one of us. We are leveled on that. We are equal on that. Hallelujah. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God himself who justified. The judge of that court is he who has set everyone free through Christ. So who can bring a charge against a man that God has elected? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. God himself died. And furthermore, he's also what? He's also risen. Who is even at what? At the right hand of God. Now, I've explained this severally. That the right hand of God is not saying that God is, Jesus is God in the center. Jesus is at the right hand side. And then the left hand side is empty. Maybe the Holy Ghost is the one that was supposed to be in the left hand side. No. The right hand side is meaning a place of what? Of authority. A place where, a place of authority. Let me leave it there. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of, of the Father. A place of favor. Who also makes, what does he do? He makes intercession for who? For the believer who is already saved in him. And what is the intercession that the believer will come to, you know, the experience of what he has, he has, he has, he has called him for? Who shall separate us from what? From the love of Christ. Who? Who shall separate us? Shall tribulation, maybe you suffer tribulation, then the tribulation will bring you out of, you know, the salvation. Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are what? We are conquerors. We are more than those who conquered. But through who? Through him. Who what? Who loved us? Hallelujah. For I am, now, this should be the persuasion of every believer. See, if your faith, if you are not as persuaded as what Paul is saying in this verse 38, you have problem with living the life for God. For I am persuaded 
that neither death, that is the essence of teaching, that you come to a place of persuasion. That there's nothing at all that can change your idea about what God has said concerning you. That you are fully agreed with what God has said. I am fully persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height or depth, no any other created thing. That is including Satan. Because he was created. Hallelujah. Shall be able to do what? To separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Including sin cannot separate you. Any other thing created in the heaven or on the earth. Sin was created on the earth by man came into the world, right? Even sin cannot separate you from God. Why? Jesus. Hallelujah. By the way, it's not your works that saved you. You were sentenced, you were a, wrath, you were a child of wrath. You were already judged, you were already condemned. Then he saved you anyway and he brought you into union with him anyway. And he has the responsibility to do what? To keep you. So there's nothing in the heavens and the earth that can separate you from this love that is in Christ Jesus. That must be your persuasion. That must be the foundation by which you live the Christian life. If a Christian is not sure of his salvation, there is a problem. In fact, you, are, you will struggle throughout your work with God. I have experienced that. I'm telling you from experience. I have suffered because of this idea. Because what, what some of you came to, is fear that brought some of you to faith. Fear of hellfire. If you are here because you are afraid of hellfire, you are not born again. Hallelujah. It must be faith and not fear. And it must be the love of God that has brought you into union with him and not fear. So there's nothing created on the earth or in the heavens that has a capacity that has the potential to separate you from God. I know he's fighting with ideologies and ideas in people's mind. Could Jesus be lying? John chapter 6 verse 37. And we stop here today. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast him out. Have you come to God? He loved you in your most crude and your most unpresentable nature. Hallelujah. That he will bring you to himself. See? Understand this truth and save yourself stress of struggle. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in him as, your, as the author and the finisher of your life, of your faith?
Next time we're going to look at those scriptures that, that we always come, oh, you know, scriptures like John chapter 15. It talks about, you know, he's a vine and we're the branches. Anyone who does not bear fruit, he will what? He will cut you off. Is that really what he said? Come prepared next. We will explain those scriptures together and we will see what those scriptures means, so that our faith will be strengthened, so that we, our persuasions will be grounded in this truth. Hallelujah. So I just want you to just respond to God. What are you going to respond in thanksgiving? So close your eyes in your seat, on your seat. Just speak to God and appreciate him for this eternal salvation. That is why, you see, the quality of love is, is, is what cannot be explained. Hallelujah. So just begin to speak to God. We've taken this so slowly and so gently that we may come to this level of comprehension. I want you to respond to God by praying. Speak to God and ask him to help you see that you'll be deepening in this understanding. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this truth. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing in this life that can, can separate us from your love. That your love towards us is eternal. Help us to walk in the light of what you've called us to be. That we live in freedom by the truth that we know in your word. Your word says that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. Father, throughout our lives we live in victory by the virtue of the truth we've known about your eternal love towards us. Thank you, Lord, because you loved us. And we know that this love is eternal. Be exalted, Lord, and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.